the Confidence Collective. I'm Danny, your hostess with the mostess. Don't you worry, there will be plenty more cheesy one-liners and dad jokes throughout this podcast. I'm an entertainment host turned confidence coach for women who are ready to step into their biggest, boldest, brightest self, aka who they've always been meant to be. I work with women who are newbie entrepreneurs, women who are looking to switch up their careers, and women who just need a confidence boost to finally go tackle that big, hairy, audacious goal they've been afraid to set for themselves. I created the Confidence Collective as a place for women to come together and collectively have conversations about our own experiences with confidence, the mistakes we've made, the lessons we've learned, and the growth that has happened along the way. We talk business, health, relationships, and so much more. New episodes will be dropping weekly, so be sure to subscribe and welcome to the Confidence Collective community. Before we dive in today's episode, I do have to note that while Amanda is a licensed attorney, this is not legal advice, nor is it legal counsel. Today's episode is purely for educational purposes, and we also hope you're a little entertained along the way. (laughs) But I do have to note that it is not legal advice, nor is it legal counsel. If you do find yourself in need of an attorney, we strongly advise you go find someone who can represent you. Amanda, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to talk to you. And I think our conversation today is going to be super beneficial for all the women who are listening who are either entrepreneurs, business owners, or just kind of want to know more about the legal side of being in business. Because I know, speaking for myself here, that was an area that I was completely like no clue about whenever I decided to start a business and quite honestly really intimidated by because even in my corporate world I didn't really know the things that were in place to protect me I didn't know my own rights in the corporate space like that's always just kind of been a fuzzy area for me and I feel like it's kind of this that way for a lot of women yeah I would 100% agree um having literacy in that area is it's just not something that's really pushed on us. I mean, if you go to college, you maybe could take a business law course, but I mean, if you had everyone raise their hands who took that course, it, I don't know how many people that would be. <laughs> There's a lot of courses to take in college. And, and, you know, in high school, you're given a very limited view on, on how this all works. Um, and, and maybe it is sometimes by design that these things are intimidating. I met you what a year ago, almost a year ago to today. Almost, I think it's been past. It was last July. Last July, July. yeah, yeah. 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 So I met you a little over a year ago at the Fearless Con, and that honestly was my first taste of law for business. And it was just kind of this. Oh, <laughs> I have to think about all of these things if I want to be a business owner. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> but I loved hearing you talk about it, and I really loved hearing you talk about your own journey from from working for a law firm to going out and starting your own. Talk to me about that a little bit, because I think that is a journey that a lot of us women are, you know, either toying with doing today um, or have already started because we just like, we're kind of tired of some of the stuff that goes on in the corporate space. Yeah. So I've spent a good amount of years of my legal career working for um, other firms and 
I did commercial litigation, which is not something you can do on your own very easily. And then I started doing a lot more work one-on-one -on -one with businesses, helping them with a lot of different things with sometimes with lawsuits, but sometimes with just formation issues or contracts or things like that. And I found that I loved that work. And then when my mentor at my little boutique firm I was working at uh, decided he was going to retire, he really encouraged me to go out on my own and, and inspired me even more to do it because most lawyers, especially if you've been part of firm life for a while, look at going out on your own as like jumping off a cliff, basically. <laughs> like it, it feels like something pretty huge and not a lot of people actually do it because they like the comfort of, of working as an employee for a law firm. Um, so it was, it was a really huge leap for me. My husband was very supportive and said, you know, you've been at this. I think at the time I was a 10 year attorney. So it's like, this is not your first day as a lawyer. You've got some skills here and you have something to offer people and the, who you want to serve is very much underserved women founders, people who are new to business. They don't really often have access to an attorney at all. Attorneys generally are really expensive. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> which is why a lot of us probably don't go get an attorney when we should. Um, but you have actually created a space, a really unique space where you've made it a little more affordable for women. I think that you have to kind of measure what you're going to be able to provide for people and, and base your rate on that. Um, and I, I made a conscious effort to be accessible and mm -hmm. I use my platform on social media to try to provide you know, obviously I can't give legal advice to every single person who finds my page. That's not actually legal, but I want to provide education and get people thinking about things that maybe aren't, you know, on their radar when they're starting their business or it's just something that intimidates them. So they just don't really think about it. Kind of like taxes. You just kind of worry about taxes when it's tax season. <laughs> yeah. I know you said that, you know, the, the firm life is nice and cushy. Sometimes you've got that yes. paycheck coming in. You don't have to be like where the buck stops, which as a business owner, it, it <laughs> stops with you. Nobody yeah, else. You don't have to advertise. Like you don't have to like do yeah. a lot of the administrative tasks when you just are employed by, by a company. Um, but you also it's don't have as so much of a stake. So many ways. Yeah. Um, but what was the thing that pushed you to finally be like, okay, you know what? I'm ready to go out on my own. I I'm ready to leave the firm life behind and do my own thing. Like what was that? that moment for you that pushed you to do that? It was a lot of different things. I knew I didn't want to stay with the remaining partner, not to get into that story or anything, but I was just like, well, that's definitely not an option. And then my mentor at one point said something, and for some reason it just really resonated. And he said, you know, these folks around town, these lawyers, they don't actually know more than you, Amanda. None of us know much of anything. We're sometimes just trying to, to figure things out as we go and know that they are not in any way more skilled than you in any of this. So realize once you're going forward, you're no different than these other people. Yes, they've built up a clientele because they've been working longer than you, but there's no distinction. You are talented. You have the skill set. It's all laid out there in front of you. You just have to go do it. I think a lot of us stop ourselves and get in our way. And I know I do this all the time and I don't know why. Like we doubt that we actually have the ability to go yeah. either build a business or go get the job we want. And for me, I talk about that in terms of confidence, but like really to your point, it like we all have the tool sets or all, we all have the tools that we need 
We just need to go do it. Yeah. It's, it's overcoming that mental block. Yeah. Uh, that voice in your head. That's kind of like, I don't know. I don't know, man. That I'm not, I'm not sure about this one. Um, the, the doubts that creep in. Mm-hmm. Um, and for lawyers, I mean, there's just piles of it. Um, we're already kind of neurotic individuals anyway, <laughs> and we're risk averse, especially if we work in litigation. So we're like, I don't know, entrepreneurship, that's, that's a big leap. Things could go poorly. Yeah. So, I mean, you're constantly fighting back against that voice. I read something recently and as it applies to politics, which is women candidates, people who ultimately decide to run for office need to be told that they should run typically in order to actually push them to do it. And politics is a whole other, you know, bundle of mess uh, because a lot of people it's, you don't want to put yourself out there. Um, as a candidate, it's kind of like you're on the front page of the paper and you feel a little vulnerable. Just yeah, it's like you're standing naked on a stage in the spotlight. Yes. Like, that's pretty much what politics is today. <laughs> yeah. And once you're a public figure, parts of your life are no longer private mm-hmm. and you kind of are, you know, they're going to ask about your student loans and all these other things. So I think, um, it makes sense to me that a lot of women candidates need that extra boost because they may have some confidence about their knowledge and understanding of the political system, but they need other people pushing and saying, no, you've got this, you can do this, and you would be perfect for this. Um, it's, it, I think it's one of those high wire acts that, that is that intimidating, and it, it doesn't surprise me in the least that, that women candidates need a bigger boost. Why do you think that is, that we as women, we tend to like need extra encouragement or extra an extra boost to you know go pursue something that we actually really want but men they don't really tend to do that um I've been reading this book called The Confidence Code Mm -hmm. and these two journalists wrote it and they went out and I, I think it was over a period of a year or so I could be wrong on that but um they went and interviewed people from scientists to athletes to business owners just all across the board to figure out what confidence was, where it came from, and where the difference was happening between men and women, and what that thing was that was causing that difference. And hands down, every time they went and did studies or they talked to scientists who had been doing research, men seemed to be far more confident, even if they were lacking the skill to back that confidence. That men surprise me. Be, yeah, <laughs> men seem to be far more confident than women. Like, what is going on with that? Okay, so I have two theories. So the first one is, I think that my definition of success version versus another man with my skill set and all of that um, in my profession is different. And I think that if I fail, I will look at myself and my abilities and my confidence. I think it will kind of, the confidence will decline a little bit. And I think for some men, even as they're failing, even as they're, you know, taking a dive, messing up on the job, their mind is still a hundred percent like, nope, I think I'm still killing it actually. And I've, I've suffered a loss here. We're going to call that minor. We're going to keep on going. Um, I, I think that that's something that they've cultivated and that's, there's a resiliency in that. I see that as a danger zone personally, but <laughs> I think that, um, I think men kind of have that and, and it might be something that they've, you know, cultivated over the years. They just learn to kind of take those hits, take those losses in mm-hmm. sports or in school or academically, however they do that. My other theory is I do not think that we are at the level of representation in fields. Like I can't name very many women partners at major firms. Mm-hmm. I don't know where they are. So 
as far as getting myself in a position and thinking I can do this, sometimes it's hard for me to find role models, people who are absolutely killing the game, who are, have done it ahead of me. Um, I think we lack role models. We haven't had a, a woman president yet. You know, like we, we're lacking some of those, that presence in higher offices for women. And I think that that can affect confidence, truly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's hard to be confident in yourself when you look towards doing something whenever you don't have anything to compare to. Like you don't have yeah. a, a standard or a goal to set that looks like you or feels like you. Um, I have a story. I, I, I really had a hard time with law school. I went back and forth about going because in your, I think I was what, like 22. When you're 22, I think you're like, really, what am I doing? Who am I? <laughs> like your I identity is I was like, what the actual F is going on in my life? <laughs> right. That's like your quarter life crisis. Like you, yeah. you don't fully understand your destiny. You're really oh. trying to figure yourself out a hundred percent. And you are very close to still being a child in my mind. I think 22 yeah. is actually very young. Hey, um, I'm so, one and I'm still figuring things out. <laughs> you're very young. So, you know, like we, when you're, you know, that age. So I, I ended up going to the law school that I chose in Fort Worth because they had something called like Diary of a 1L. And there was this girl, her name was, I think it was Maite. Um, and she was writing about um, her year and what she was struggling with in school. And it was like what she was really excited about and like how things actually were kind of going well. Um, and I was kind of nervous about, cause I was leaving my home state and, and driving across the country to go to this law school and just seeing how she was adapting and like kind of doing great was very inspiring for me. And that was part of my particip you know, my decision to just go forward, take the scholarship at this school, go do it, um, leave what I was familiar with, go, you know, travel that over a thousand miles away from my family um, and go, you know, try to learn to be a lawyer. Um, but seeing her and she kind of looked like me, we had a similar way of writing, like her personality, like I would be friends with her if I ended up actually getting to meet her. I think, you know, we never actually connected, but like, still I, <laughs> yes, I need to look her up in the alumni network or whatever. But um, that really made a difference for me. And I hope with my presence online that that inspires other people. Like, look, there's a lawyer out doing it. Maybe I should go to law school or maybe I should go, you know, to grad school because I want to chase my dream. Like I like seeing other people do it and, and taking from them, like, this is achievable. I know with Legally Blonde, that inspired a lot of people. Like it was a fun movie. Love that, that movie. Yes, it was Anytime a silly I movie. Anytime I feel like I can go like conquer the world, you know, kick some yes. ass, do, do the thing, I throw a little Legally Blonde on. Yes. Like, what would Elle Woods do? Right? What would Elle Woods do? That needs to be the anthem for the rest of 2020 <laughs> as we're yeah. all still trying to figure it out. <laughs> yes. She's a, you know, she figures it out. She doesn't fit in her law school and she figures it out and she's really bright and unconventional as a student and she figures it out. I think, I'm not sure when Legally Blonde came out. I, that may have been after I went to law Well, we're school, supposed actually. to be getting another one. Wow. Yeah. Right. And Reese Witherspoon is in it again. So, awesome. yeah, yeah. a little bit. Thank you, COVID. But uh, yeah. still supposedly coming, which is good news. Yeah. Um, I think Mindy Kaling is actually going to be one of the writers on it. And I love Mindy Kaling. Yes. And she's another person who completely broke down 
gender yeah. norms in her space. You know, typically a writer's room was filled with men and she kind of went in and was like, no, this is what I want to do and I'm going to figure it out. Absolutely. And now she's telling stories about girls who look like her, who lived her life. I love it. It was her show on Netflix, Never Have I Ever. Loved that show. <laughs> like she's making the content and the programming that that she would have wanted to see growing up and inspiring, you know, future girls, you know, that's, it's, it's exciting to me. I love that you just shared that story a second ago, because that just goes to show how important it is for us as women to share our stories. Like, I don't care if you were Mindy Kaling and you're in Hollywood, or if you're just a coach, not you're just, but if you are a coach and you're just starting out and you're kind of new to this space, I think it's so important that we just share our stories and that's kind of what I want this podcast to be. It's just a place for women to share their own stories so that other women can either see themselves or find a role model or, you know, see that it's been done before or that it yes. can be done if it hasn't been done before. Um, because I think that's really important to our, our success as women. Yes. And, and a lot of us are thinking about going into industries that are male dominated, Actually, law, law is pretty male-dominated. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, other areas that are um, science, technology, sometimes you may be the only woman on a team. Um, and and it, that can intimidate a lot of people and, and maybe you know, push them away from a career that could be incredibly fulfilling mm -hmm. and perfect for their skill set. Um, seeing people do it, seeing people trying something new uh, will always inspire. So earlier when we were talking, you said that you were overly cautious as a lawyer and I was kind of giggling on the inside because my, like my idea of a lawyer, because I am not a lawyer and I have never, I don't even know if I've like really truly seen a trial in a courtroom other than on TV. But because of that, my idea of a lawyer is like a ball buster that goes into the courtroom and it's like, yeah, taking chances and yeah, like know, a bulldog, like a bulldog, like throwing papers, tossing yeah. back water, you know exactly what I've seen in, on TV. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so since you said you're usually overly cautious as a lawyer, um, what is your kind of formula to building up your confidence when you go into the courtroom to actually be firm? Um, and be yeah. And just to like tack off that a little bit, um, yeah. I think most people picture lawyers as bulldogs, but like 90% of them are introverts. Who really? are mostly at their desk anyway. I mean, you go to court from time to time, but for the most part, you're quietly tapping away at your desk, even if you are writing like a, you know, demand letter that's kind of aggressive or something. Like for the most part, and people that are bulldogs end up becoming DAs or something so they can go to court and kind of be a peacock for the judge or a jury, you know, kind of show off their tail feathers and um, strut and all of that. Um, it is not the kind of career that you want <laughs> if you don't <laughs> love sitting at your desk, researching, <laughs> writing, typing, being on phone calls, telephone conferences for two hours, dis discussing a case. Um, you know, like that's, it's, it's a totally different life than what they show on, uh, you know, like The Good Wife or some of those legal shows yeah. where they're just like, you know. They're always in court. Always. They're always impressing, you know, everybody and just killing it with that final legal argument and stunning the judge with their, you know, boldness. Um, yeah. Um, it's not actually how it works, but yeah. So anyway, so to get myself prepped for court, um, 
back when I did litigation, I don't really do it so much anymore. I've kind of switched over, which the advent of having my children means that I don't really want to get up and get on a plane and go to Houston for a deposition. That lifestyle is very hard when you have very young children and a husband who also works full time. But anyway, um, so back when I did go to court, sometimes I would feel really nervous. Um, and it, just the nature of the hearing, it, it felt high stakes. And I sometimes on some mornings, I would listen to Amy Poehler's talks about like doing something when you're scared. Like I would play them. Sometimes they're like 15 minute clips and you can find them on YouTube. Amy Poehler will always inspire me. Um, and she works in an industry of predominantly men and she does production and all of those things where you're kind of having to deal with egos and young directors and all of that. So she's got a lot of advice on doing things even when you're really worried about the results, doing things even if you feel like you're going to lose potentially. So I would listen to those. Sometimes I'd listen to them on the drive down to the courthouse. Um, I always practice my arguments. Most lawyers who have a long argument to practice will review notes and kind of talk out bigger points mm -hmm. that they need to make because they don't want the first time they're saying those words to be in front of the judge who's, you know, rolling their eyes or tired already that morning. Um, so practicing building muscle memory with some of those key arguments. Um, I actually do that too for interviews. I think that's, that's like a crucial step to really feeling good about what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, I even did like vocal exercises because I am soft-spoken and I know these judges, some of them are not to be you know, ageist or anything, but they're older. And so my voice, because I have kind of a higher voice, I needed to be loud. I need them to hear me and they're not, you know, there's usually a microphone available, but some of these judges are hard of hearing. And so you have to put yourself a little louder than the guy on the other side who has the deepest voice ever, <laughs> who, you know, speaks quietly and you can hear him down the hallway. Um, that tone that, you know, you have to kind of combat against that. Um, so yeah, it's kind of funny watching someone prepare for hearing is kind of funny. I wouldn't really let anybody but my husband see me do it. <laughs> you should start a series, a podcast or a YouTube series where you just prepare for hearings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is my vocal testing. I'm like a singer. This is what Rihanna does. Yeah. We need a little <laughs> Beyonce thrown in there too. That's yeah. a must. Yes. <laughs> You left the firm life and you started your yeah. own business because you wanted to help women, yes. specifically like entrepreneurs and creatives. So what are like, if you had top three, your top three tips that you're like, Hey, you need to know these things or you need to at least think about these things. If you were thinking about starting a side hustle or you are starting a business, like these are the non-negotiables of getting your legal shit together. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, you first need to think about, your entity, I, I think for most serious businesses, you're not just going to be a sole proprietor, which in the state of Texas is, um, you know, the default entity if you're just by yourself selling things. Um, you'll probably want to consider forming an LLC, which is a limited liability company. You'll want to think of the name you want to use for that, the name you want to use for actually doing business, which might be different. Um, and then so as you're... What is the difference? Not to interrupt you here, but yeah. I remember when I, when I was getting my LLC, which is what I have now, um, when I was looking at those two choices, yeah, I went through legal zoom because mm -hmm. I didn't know what else to do when I first started. Yeah. It's very common. 
what is the difference? And I felt really dumb because I was like, I don't know what the difference is or what I need to do. What's Between an LLC and a corporation or an LLC and a DBA? Uh, LLC and a DBA. Yeah. So I always call DBAs like stage names. They don't convey any protection to you. It's just like, oh, you know, like sell, say if I was selling jewelry, like, oh, I'm, you know, Iron Designs. Amanda, you know, Amanda Montgomery, DBA, Iron Designs. Like that's, there's no like liability layer of protection. There's no like separate <laughs> entity that I've built to kind of contract with other entities. Um, it's just me, but I've got this name that I use. Um, so it's, it's, it does not replace, you know, forming an LLC by any means. Gotcha. And an LLC is your protection with that liability protection built in. Yes. So I would just think of it as like, if you say I decide to form an LLC for my jewelry company called Iron Designs, which is the most generic name ever. But um, (laughs) if I did that, I um, would think of that as like a fictional person. And that person would have a bank account. That person would have a tax ID number, a sales and use tax permit. If you're in Texas, Um, it would have its own documentation. And if someone ended up getting into a dispute in a contract with, you know, iron designs, jewelry, that would not, I would not be personally liable if there was a judgment against that entity. It would be against the entity itself. And so that's why a lot of people really like that protection. And it can be very important depending on the business that you're running. Mm. Yeah. I just remember, thank you for covering that. Cause I remember like being young cause I started my side hustle a long time ago, but I remember being young and being like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I didn't know anybody to call. So I just kind of was like, well, I guess I'm just going to go with an LLC because I don't want to mess this up. Um, yeah. I was- would always advise like going to lawyer, but if you can't, like if you go to the library, most lo- libraries have like those NOLO books. It's like N-O-L-O and they give a lot of background for people that don't have law degrees on like entity types. And they're super helpful if you're just one of those people that's like, there's no way I can afford a lawyer right now, but I do want to learn um, you can just like get them from the library or buy them off Amazon. They're really cheap and they give such like pared down, like English language, you know, explanation of, of what these things are. So like business legal for dummies. Yes. And there's some limitation to it. I mean, it's, it's no substitute for a lawyer um, with your specific circumstances that you might be going through, but I, I think they're great. Um, and I, I wish I knew about them in law school because they would have helped me with studying. <laughs> So number one is make sure you have yourself registered as an entity, yes. you have your business registered as an entity. What's number two? Um, I would think about your trademark, uh, the name that you're going to be operating under. Um, I would think about, okay, is anybody else using that name for my jewelry example? Probably. Um, I haven't done a search yet. So you'll want to look, some attorneys help companies with this because um lawyers have, like I use a search engine called core search to do um, entity names to look and see if there's any kind of conflict because you could end up getting a cease and desist letter from the existing company who says, Hey, I registered the name in this. You've got this website that has it all over. People are getting confused. They think that's my company. I already have rights to this name, this trademark. So um, I would think about, you know, creating a a name that you're going to, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be your company name. It could be, you know, the name you're doing business as, 
Um, LLCs have DBAs too. It's not just something sole proprietors have. So if you're, you know, running under that company name, um, you want to make sure you have not inadvertently copied someone, especially someone local, because they'll definitely know about you. Um, but with e-commerce being so popular, the world is very small. So you'll want to be very careful. You don't want to inadvertently use a name that like the Kardashians recently registered or something like you, those certain people really are protective of their trademarks and they will tell you stop. Like there's podcasts that have had to change their names recently because of other existing podcasts. So do you, if you're like new to your side hustle or you're new to starting a business, do you have to trademark your name? So say you find that perfect name and Mm -hmm. And then, and you're like, nobody has it. <laughs> no, yeah. it's got a trademark on it. It's mine. Do you have to start that process right away? Cause that can be a really expensive process. Sure. So classical lawyer response, it depends. Um, it's, it's, it's one of those things where yes, you'll have some common law rights in your trademark, but if you want to be able to truly protect it, have a shield in front of your name, you will want to register it. Um, some people are just not as concerned about it, so they don't end up registering the mark. Other people are like, I am bound for success. This is a dynamite idea. This is a startup company I'm doing. This is going to be big. And those are the people that get in right at the gate. Like they are filing their either intent to use trademark or they're already in commerce trademark. There's two different types of filings that you can use to register your trademark whether it's you're already using it, you're already in commerce, or you're planning to use it, you haven't yet, um, you can go that route too. The Kardashians use that route constantly. And that's how we always know what they're planning because they always file their marks ahead of time. And ladies, this is why you need to find a great lawyer. (laughs) As I'm sitting here listening to you talk, I'm like, oh my God, intent to file, filing, like kind of mind blown by all the different layers that come with the legal side of business. Yeah. I mean, I think lawyers all day long will say, yes, trademark your name. Yes. (laughs) Um, You can use that to keep other people from using it. Um, And it's not like a universal thing. Like if you were had a podcast and someone used a similar name for their like plumbing company, okay, Mm -hmm. they, you probably can't make them stop using (laughs) the mark you've registered because it's so such different like market channels. But if you've, someone else pops up with the same podcast name and you've registered your mark for your podcast. I mean, you've got an argument. You've got a really good argument to make them stop doing what they're doing and potentially file suit against them and get damages. Mm. Okay. So what's your last number three tip from the top three? I think it's figuring out if you are going to have like your labor. Now you can have a couple of employees or you can say, all right, in the beginning, I'm going to have a contractor or two. You need to figure out these relationships with the people who are going to help you and understand that the IRS has its own ideas about the relationship to your labor. And if you are using someone that you're calling an independent contractor, but you're using them every single day, you're paying them from a Gusto account and they're showing up day in and day out, nine to five, that's actually an employee. And they're going to make you pay taxes and other penalties for claiming to have an independent contractor, but in fact, having like a de facto employee. I think that's important. And and some people don't have employees right off the bat. So they have to kind of juggle what their contractors can do. It needs to be on a project basis. It's it's one of those things you have to be very careful and mindful about. Man, so many different things to think about. (laughs) I'm I'm overwhelming. (laughs) 
No, but it's so good though. And I, and I love that you have a business where it makes it accessible. I love that you used the word accessible earlier, not necessarily, you know, just strictly sticking to this idea of affordable, because I think, you know, when it comes to legal and what comes, when it comes to services, you have to understand the value of what you're paying for, you know, especially as a business owner. And sometimes like you've just got to, you've got to go ahead and, and, and pay it up because it's 100% worth it for your business. But I like that you mentioned that it's accessible because even in knowing you, and I've worked with you before, like I have learned more about business and legal for business than I had ever known before, or even in doing my own research and it made it simple and it made it easy. And I don't know. I just, I think there's a tremendous amount of value there because it can get really sticky and, you know, really confusing. I think that there's a little bit of like, uh, what's the word kind of like a velvet rope around legal knowledge, legal information, legal access. And it's typically considered, you know, a resource for wealthy companies, um, people who have a legal budget. Um, and that is not something I like, <laughs> you know, about the current system. I, I, I think that, that we need to increase literacy for this among, you know, especially women, but among, I guess, everyone. Um, yeah. I, I think we're putting ourselves in a really vulnerable place if, if we don't have access to this information. And I, and I want people to thrive. I want businesses to, you know, explode. I want small businesses to have a chance, you know, obviously now more than ever during COVID, which has really, you know, hit hard these, these small creators, makers and, and business owners. Um, I think that there really should be more avenues to, you know, access to this knowledge. You just mentioned that, you know, there's almost like this metaphorical kind of red velvet rope around legal access. And honestly, I felt that way when I was younger. I thought lawyers were for like big time companies or big yeah. time lawyers. And when I first started my side hustle, this was years ago, um, and I was working with a client, they were like, hey, let me let my lawyer review the contract and then I'll send it over to you. And I was like, you have a lawyer? <laughs> Like, wait, what? We're supposed to get those? <laughs> right. And I was like, wait, how do you have a lawyer? <laughs> yeah. And she was like, of course I have a lawyer. She reviews all my contracts. It's, you know, it's just kind of standard practice. And I was like, oh, that was honestly the first time that I realized that, you know, people, business owners, big, small, whatever in between, you know, should work with a lawyer or should at least try to find legal counsel to make sure that everything's taken care of. Um, but I didn't, I didn't know that it was available. I just didn't realize that. Yeah. It, it feels like kind of something that's more, uh, like a, an accessory of the wealthy. Um, and, and they definitely do have their lawyers. Um, but there's, there's also lawyers that serve other people as well. We were talking earlier and you said you have had a solo practice. You've also worked at a firm and now you're kind of in this in-between space. Yeah. So I was just entirely a solo practice for around two years. And then I decided, okay, I have a lot of clients and they're kind of growing up and, and, and getting bigger and I need help. And I really like working with the team as well and having people to kind of talk things over with. And so I started talking with a law firm called Bela Wood um, and, Kevin Vela is the person I started talking with, one of the founding partners, and he um, subscribes to the same things I do, and they're a startup venture firm. And so 
Um, I'm senior counsel there now, which is I'm technically an independent contractor. So that's, I work a little differently with the firm than their employees, but I love it because they're very supportive of my mission and my practice. And I'm serving, you know, the same people. Like I, I want to work with women founders as much as I can. I, I want to work with small business owners who are new and trying to navigate a very confusing and a complex time. And so, yeah, I, I think it's kind of an unconventional thing to do as a lawyer, but it, it's, it's surprisingly common and it's been great because I have great support and really great colleagues to bounce ideas off of. And I'm one of those people that loves to talk things through and compare notes with other lawyers um, and have kind of teammates. I'm, I'm one of those people that really likes having um, people to talk to. And, and, and I was told by my mentor, he's like, you're not gonna miss a lot of things about working in a farm. He's like, but you will be lonely. He's like, you like people, Amanda, you're not a lone wolf. And so, you know, I would find a way to be social or, or work with others because that's something that you love. You know, and I, I, I think it's okay to change, right? Yeah. We, for whatever reason, <clears throat> there's this idea that once you kind of move into a space or you, you change or you shift into a new career, then that's where you've got to be. And that's what success looks like. You know, you have to be this big independent entrepreneur, but that's not really success. Like it's okay to change and to grow and to figure out what works best for you. Yeah, I think that once you, and I think this hits at a different age for every woman, especially mm -hmm. once you realize that whatever, you know, strict plan that seems to be set out for you as a woman, either with family or with your career, oh. your job, certain Focus. like Focus. milestones, <laughs> once you say to yourself, that is not a requirement. I don't have to hit these boxes in order to be successful, in order to be happy, in order to feel fulfilled that is the ultimate freedom. And that is when you really start coming into your own and owning your voice and really, I think, attracting other people to you and what you're trying to do. Absolutely. Did you used to have a checklist of what you were like supposed to do and accomplish yeah. in life? I literally had a checklist. I have it mentally. And still to this day, I'm like, is it wrong of me to not be like a shareholder of a litigation firm you know, a partner at this specific type of firm, like, is that, it's like every once in a while in the back of my mind, I'm like, is this like a personal failing of mine? Because other attorneys my age are, you know, becoming, you know, either non-equity partners or shareholders, or they're running their own practice and have other partners with them. Um, I just, the litigation is not really something I've, I'm pursuing right now. So I have to tell myself over and over again, that's not your path. I'm not sure if that was ever your path. Mm -hmm. It feels like it's the thing you should be doing right now but you have to conquer that like belief system that this is, this is expected of you. And, and luckily my, my mother um, has never been one of those, like, this is what you should be doing. I, I know best, you know, it's like some parents, I think reinforce the checklist mm. or require it <laughs> for support or, you know, them to, to really be invested in your life. And I've, I've been lucky to where they both, my parents both were always just pleasantly surprised when I, when I did well, um, and so, um, but yeah, I love that you have a real checklist. Is it like a document in your house? <laughs> well, I actually burned it years ago. Because I was like, this is worthless. <laughs> this, is, this is not how life works. So I moved to LA after college because I was going to pursue acting and production. And I interned at this production company and <clears throat> went on some auditions and very quickly became overwhelmed because it, I was so not happy. 
I was not happy at all. And I wasn't finding my place. And I just didn't like, you know, when you go after something and it just doesn't feel like you're in the right place. Yeah. And it always feels uncomfortable. And yet you don't know why, because you've done all the things that you're supposed to do to get to that point. You know, made the grades, got the internship, done the training. Like you, you've checked the boxes and you're like, okay, yeah. I'm here, but it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel like this yeah. is, what, and I had spent years studying to get to that place. And it had been on my list, go to LA, work my way up, you know, the corporate ladder at a production company or a studio or whatever. Yeah. And <clears throat> after about what, three years of being out there. I ended up calling it quits. You know, I had finally gotten a job or I'd gotten a job offer. I got a job offer for a show that was on the Disney channel and for, you know, just a, a PA and mm -hmm. um, literally a couple days after I had been, I got the call saying that the job had opened and they were going to offer it to me. I got another call saying actually an executive owed a favor and we don't have a job for you anymore. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my God, I had been working for free with some other people who were on the production team. Like I had done everything in my power to like position myself for success. And I was tired and I was just not happy. And I called it quits. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to pack my stuff up, put it in a storage container. And I don't know what's going to happen next. And I really... Duke, it's a car. It's a car. That's it. Just a car. Um, <laughs> I put my stuff in a storage container and I was like, I don't know what's going to happen next. And I really struggled with this idea of failure for a little bit. And I still had my checklist. Like I had my list, yeah. you know, I'm supposed to get the job, go to the place, find the boyfriend, get, you know, engaged and married or whatever. And have 2.5 babies, <laughs> my babies, which I've never actually wanted. Just me as a woman, like I've never felt called to right. be mom that way. But there is this like list of, well, this is what you do. You know, this is what yeah. you ought to do. And some other things happened. It was in a relationship, didn't go well. And after that relationship, I literally lit it on fire. Like I lit it on fire in a trash can yeah. and I burned it along with all these journals and things that I'd written. And I just let it all go because I was like, this is not, this is obviously not how this works because I feel like a mess. And I've been sticking to the list. Yeah. And I think you start to become surprised when you see actual success stories out there. Yeah. People who are like Sarah Blakely of Spanx, people who are absolutely at the top of their industry and have done all of the work. And I think they will tell you over and over again, mm -hmm. this was not my intended path. And I, I'm not, I didn't check the boxes. Like for the most part, there's a lot of people who have done such amazing work for themselves and for others and have built up a beautiful business and in an industry that they really had to fight to to climb to the top of and they definitely you know were, were not on track maybe five years prior or you know had maybe a bankruptcy or something there's so many stories like that and we need to hear more of them because we feel trapped in this like no this is the way it's supposed to be maybe i have to take this job in a yeah. cubicle that I don't want to do at all, but I feel like it's the right thing to do because my parents told me maybe I'll meet a husband that way. <laughs> like, it's like you, <laughs> you get these wild ideas that in hindsight, you're like, why would I, why would that have made sense? Like, why didn't I just go and, and, and go this other route or, or move to this new state and, and build another life for myself? Mm -hmm. 
yeah, it's amazing what we hold ourselves to even when it stops making sense. Yeah. You know, speaking of incredible stories right here. So we're in Dallas for everyone who's listening uh, right here in our own backyard, Susie Batiste. I love her story. So Susie is the founder of Poopery and she literally was bankrupt. Right. Had no idea what she was going to do, was bankrupt. And she literally just wanted to solve the problem of making the bathroom not stink when her husband took a, took a dump basically. Yeah. Yeah. She says like, I've watched her, I've gone to a couple of presentations that she's done and she's like, literally, I just wanted to make his shit not stink. That's what it was. And yeah. she said it was unexpected. And, you know, if you, you should look up her story if you're listening, because it's a really cool one. And now she's like one of the wealthiest women in the country. Right. Which, she's on the Forbes list. I mean, she's total business. Yeah. I mean, and it, it came from something completely unexpected. Um, and I think that's the beauty of also just giving yourself the space to, and grace, space and grace. That's kind of the theme that I'm going with this year for myself to just go with it and like figure out life as it happens yeah. and to not put yourself in this really tiny box of, I have to do these things. And understand if you're working on a dream, if you're doing something as a side hustle, if it's something that you're having to slowly build over time. I think I listened to Jamie O'Banion at Dallas Startup Week recently, and she was talking about the messy middle. And she's like, yeah, my business, you know, Beauty Bio right now, looking at it, I mean, it looks amazing. Like she's doing fantastic sales going very well for her and her business just keeps getting bigger and bigger with a larger product line. And she's like the messy middle. She's like, you don't see it. You don't hear about it much, but please understand that that's something that every business owner goes through and it's ongoing. (laughs) It's, it's not a brief moment at the beginning. It's the messy middle. And you don't see a lot of stories about that. Someone doesn't get on the cover of Forbes, you know, looking terrible because they didn't sleep last night because they were working so much and you know having all the bags under their eyes and they haven't dyed their hair in you know uh, six months or something because they've been too focused on you know saving money and and putting everything into their business Um, you only see them polished and you know killing it Um, that's what we get to see okay before we wrap up here there's a question I ask at the end of every podcast if there is a piece of advice you wish you would have been given when you were younger, you know, a woman just starting out in her early twenties, what would that advice be? I, I think it would be give yourself time um, to, to figure out what you really want. For me, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I became an attorney and I find value in it no matter what, but give yourself time to explore, to decide what makes you happy, what you find fulfilling. You don't have to force yourself into one career and stick to it for the next 40 years. That's not a, that's not really how it works anymore (laughs) in, in the United States. Um, just give yourself time, uh, to make mistakes, to experiment, to try a job, to fail at a job, uh, to maybe have to try something new or take courses to figure something else out. Um, failure does not end who you are um and it and it's something that we all have to gracefully you know swim right on through <laughs> uh work through those cringy days um so yeah i would say give yourself time and let yourself fail 
Make sure you rate, review, and share this podcast if you loved it. I would also love to connect with you. So come chat with me over on Instagram at danielle.hawthorne. You can also head on over to dannyhawthorne.com where I have some really fun freebies for you, including a free mini course where I teach you how to boost your confidence in under three minutes. This is a process that I use before all of my celebrity interviews and I absolutely swear by it. So go to dannyhawthorne.com and grab that. It's 100% free and you can literally start using it today to give yourself a confidence boost because you know what? We all need one sometimes. Until next week, keep being confident like you. Thank you.